Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good to see you. And uh, listen, I was th- I've been thinking, uh, singing that song. We kind of make these declarations about who God is, as He has revealed Himself in the Scriptures, and just how important it is to be reminded of that, like to sing the truth, so we can remind our hearts what is true, what is God like, you know, promise keeper, right, miracle worker, light in the darkness, that is who you are. And we, we sing that, and we sing it to God, but it's also, in a way, we sing it to each other to remind each other of the, of the truth, you know, it's just because of all that's going on around it, it's, it's just easy to kind of just... Um, our faith to be shaken. We're, in, we're uncertain of our future. Um, but as uh, if you're a follower of Christ, we, we know who um, does hold our future, and we can trust Him with everything. And so it's just a good reminder as we sing those songs. I have like two announcements today I want to mention. Um, one is every year our church does a, a school supply drive for Brown Elementary School right over here, one of the Hilliard uh, Elementary Schools. And we're going to keep doing that this year. And so what we're going to do is, if you've never done this before, if you're interested, there are these paper bags right in the back, straight back on a chair. And on it, stapled to it, is a list of school supplies that uh, Brown Elementary School has on their list of supplies. And whether students are going to be in the classroom or at home, there's still, there's still going to be some students that need supplies, that don't have, that can't afford them. And so would encourage you, you can just take one of these bags you can either shop online or go to Walmart or something and pick up some of these items, and you just need to bring them back uh, by August, Sunday, August 16th. So you've got plenty of time, and uh, what we do is then we, we you know, on that uh, following week after August 16th, then we take them over to the school building there, and then they have those supplies, and they give them out to the students that have need. And so um, the other thing is, if you want to kick it up a notch, okay, as they say, or as, who was it, Emerald used to say, kick it up a notch? Some of you guys didn't know who Emerald is. Bam! Remember that? See, he remembers it. Okay. I'm not that old. Come on. Uh, <laughs> is uh, you could take um, a stack of these, just you know, a handful, and if you live in a neighborhood, right, you could just, you could put them on people's doorsteps, and, and you know, if you live within the area, uh, you know, then, you, you know, this would make, some, some people might be interested in giving to this. They may say, hey, you know, I'd like to help. I'd like to help students in our area. So if you are inclined, you could leave, because um, this is what we have done in the past. We've blanketed uh, entire neighborhoods with these bags and some people's doorsteps, and then they bring it back here. This year, we're not doing that. Uh, we're just asking that if you want to take one, you can help out. Um, if you want to take more and pass them out to some of your neighbors or whatever, that's great too. So they're, but they're right there on the back, and the school supply list is right there. Also, some people... Um, that are not here today, maybe watching online, that live in the area, if you want access to that school supply list, what you have to do is just go to the home page, darbycreek.org, and click on announcements. And in that announcement there about the school supplies is a link to uh, the entire list uh, that we have stapled to the bag. So you may say, well, I don't, I'm not going to be able to make it over there or whatever for a bag, but you can have your own bag and get your own supplies. You just need the list. So you just, all you have to do is then go to the website and look in the announcements, and uh, there'll be a link there for the supply list. Uh, just remember that the drop-off date here is no later than Sunday, August 16th. Now, the other thing is that um, we'd like to hear from you. If you've got a prayer request, you've got, uh, need some information from us uh, uh, as a church, you know, want to know more about us, or you have a comment, got a question, 
Uh, all you have to do is just on your phone, go to the church website, and there is a button there now that says connection card. You just click on connection card. There's this four simple fields, <laughs> first name, last name, email address, and then if you want to give us your phone number, that's fine. If not, that's optional. And then just whatever your question or your prayer request is, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. So I just want to make sure that, you know, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, uh, that's, that's something you want to make use of, that connection card just available on our church website, darbycreek.org. Okay? All right, listen, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord here in prayer. Let's ask for His blessing in our time in the Word. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank You for the opportunity to gather together in, in worship today. It's great to sing songs together. It's great to, to uh, proclaim the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. And um, Lord, I just know that probably um, some of us come today, uh, are here, and, and are distracted by things that are going on in our lives, Lord. pray that you would, uh, by your Holy Spirit, just uh, grant us your peace Grant us uh, the ability to listen to what your word says and to take it in and to believe it and to act it out, Lord. We need your help. Also, we want to pray, Lord, for those in our church family that are sick or recovering from surgeries uh, or recovering from treatments. Lord, we pray for complete healing for their bodies. Lord, we ask and pray that you would touch them and pray that uh, just that you would help them in the healing process. And Lord, we also just pray for those people in our church family that are really struggling right now because they don't have a job. Lord, we pray, Lord, for your provision. Lord, thank you for the people in the church family that uh, are always having a willing hand to help, um, Lord, and, and help provide and meet needs. Lord, we pray for those people that need jobs, Lord, in our church. Just pray that you would connect them up with the right people, network them. Um, Lord, we just pray that you do that. Lord, and lastly, we lift up people in our church, in our midst here, who may really be struggling emotionally, uh, mentally, having a hard time with all that's going on. Lord, we just pray that you would grant them peace, uh, grant them uh, just the ability to think rightly about uh, you, and uh, that they would put their trust in you and and also lean on their brothers and sisters in Christ uh, for encouragement, Lord, as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the last couple of weeks, we've uh, been going through Ephesians chapter 6, and these verses 10 to 20, just breaking it down piece by piece and looking in depth at this passage. And, um, you know, this passage is well known for what we call the armor of God, right? And he talks about, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. Last week, we talked about putting on the belt of truth. We said, hey, that's not really like one of those big old Texan belt buckle things. It's more like uh, a, a girdle that you put all the other pieces of armor on, you strap it over yourself, and the other pieces of the armor, right, the, the sword, the, the shield of faith, all those things would attach themselves to this belt of truth. And so today, though, we're on the breastplate of righteousness. And so let me just go ahead and, and read for you this passage here. Uh, these 10 verses, we've been kind of reading it every week. So hopefully it's starting to become familiar to you. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day, having done all to stand firm. Have you noticed so far, he keeps mentioning this stand, stand firm, withstand, right? And this, this idea of we need to be able to stand against an enemy, spiritually speaking, he says. Then verse um, 14 here, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is God's word, and he's giving us instruction on the very fact that we have been, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're Christian, then you have you're in a battle, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. There's a spiritual battle, and God has provided every believer the armament to fight those battles, okay? And this is important for us to understand what is that armament, right? What is that about? Now, um, when I was in the eighth grade, it's the only year I ever played football, Okay? There's a lot of good reasons for that. That was the only year because I was so bad, <laughs> it wasn't even funny. Um, in fact, I'll tell you just a quick story here. Okay, so you talk about the girdle, right? They have these things called girdle pads, right, uh, that you put on to kind of protect your, your hips and stuff like that. And, but they were like plastic covered. Well, you put plastic with nylon things over top, guess what's going to happen? Whoop, going right down to the ground, Right? My first, I was on special teams, first kickoff, go down the, I start running down the field, right? Down they go, man. And that's when I was thankful that my coach said, always put shorts over those girdle pads. <laughs> okay. I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, coach. I did what you told me. Now I got to finish on the kickoff, you know? Anyway, so that, that just kind of, that set the tone for the whole year for me. I, I mean, I loved, I was much better at baseball much better at basketball, but interesting thing about that, um, that football team, I was thinking about, you know, I sign up to play, and they have an equipment day, right? You sign up, you come in, here's your helmet, here's your shoulder pads, they fit you up, you know, and they also want to make sure that they knew who got what so that it all gets turned back in at the end, right? That's usually what it's about, <laughs> okay? But I was thinking, you know, they weren't handing out equipment to people that weren't on the team, no, you got to be on the team to have the equipment. And this first point that we're going to talk about here this morning really has to do with, uh, are you a Christian soldier? It's a question, a question only you can answer. 
are, you know, basically, have you been enlisted in God's army, so to speak, right? Are you a soldier of the cross, right? Um, now, that may sound familiar. If you grew up in a traditional church, maybe you heard those words before. Um, there's a hymn writer by the name of Isaac Watts who wrote this hymn, and the first verse says this, am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And then he says, and shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? He's saying there, am I going to be afraid to name the name of Jesus? Am I going to be afraid to stand up for him? You know, he's, he's kind of maybe kind of painting a picture for his idea of what it means to be uh, a soldier of the cross, okay? But I just think it's important that we realize, you know, if we're going to talk about all these different pieces of the armor, you better see, do you even have access to the equipment? Okay, right? And what, it, what this comes down to is this. Okay, am I a soldier of the cross equates to am I a believer? Am I a believer in Jesus? If I put my faith in him. And what you need to realize, though, is that when it comes to salvation, being forgiven through the blood of Christ, is that to believe means to transfer my trust from myself to Jesus. It's a transfer of trust, okay? That's what it is. When you boil it down, right, when a person becomes a Christian, they are transferring their trust from themselves. Now, what do we mean by transferring trust from ourselves? Well, here's the thing. A lot of people feel that, well, I'm basically a good person, so therefore, um, you know, of course, God knows I'm not perfect, but he's going to let me in anyway because I'm basically a good person, you know. Uh, and, and that would not be the way a soldier of the cross would think. A soldier of the cross is not going to think I'm basically good because the soldier of the cross really knows what the truth of the matter is, which is pretty clearly stated for us in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans chapter 3, Here's where we are. Make, you're making sure that you're a soldier of the cross. Romans 3, and um, I wanna, don't want to look at verse 30 yet, but there's some, some other verses there in Romans 3. Here we go. Starting with verse 10. It says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And it just goes on. It just gets worse. (laughs) And I'm bringing this up because for someone to become a soldier of the cross, which equals a believer, you have to understand and come to grips with who God says you are. This paints a picture of all of us, that we are, um, we're really no good in in our core. We have a problem. It's sin, okay? And uh, we don't, a lot of people don't like to use that word, but that sin means to miss the mark. That's what it means. It's like if I was shooting an arrow at the clock back there, if, if I sinned, it means I missed the clock. Missing the mark, that's what it means. Literally, that word means missing the mark. 
Well, when we sin against God or against others, we, we miss the mark on what God wanted us to do. Okay, that's what it means. So now, so we have to be honest. We have to, have a, we have to look at what God says about us first. Now, this may, you may already know this information, but let me tell you what, we can't really talk about the armor unless you know you're a soldier, okay? And so, to be a soldier, you have to be a believer. To be a believer, you have to transfer trust. To transfer your trust, you've got to realize you need to transfer your trust. (laughs) In other words, if you don't transfer your trust from yourself to Christ, you will, as the Scripture says in the other Romans verse that's mentioned there, Romans 6.23, which says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. I used to work for my dad uh, when I was in high school. My dad owned a, what's, what some people would call a tool and die shop, okay? Uh, he learned to trade early on. It was a great business, great, earned a, really a great living doing that. And, um, and so in the summertime, I would work for him. I loved getting that paycheck. But if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. But when I did work, I got paid. That's what we call a wage. It's, what, it's the payment for what you did, right? Well, the wages of sin, meaning the payment for having sin in my life and this sin problem that I have, is death. And if you read your Bible, it's not just mean you're going to die physically, that your heart's going to stop someday. It means you're going to be spiritually, you are spiritually dead because of sin. None of us is spiritually alive, Okay. We need, we need the breath of God breathed into us, basically. Paul was back there working on, what is that called? An A, what? AED. Oh, I thought I was supposed to say ADD. Okay, AED. It's an automated like defibrillator, right? Right? And we have one of those back there. And that's supposed to bring somebody back whose heart's not beating, right? All right? And thankfully, it won't work on somebody's heart is beating, right? Um, it's not supposed to. Right, exactly. So, but, but you have to have that machine, right, to restart that, right? Well, I'm saying you've got to realize that every person that's ever been born here, aside from Adam and Eve initially, right, was born into this world with this sin problem, which means they were born into this world spiritually dead, separated from God because of sin, okay? That's reality. If we don't own that and realize that, we will not... We're not going to transfer our trust into Christ because we don't think we've got a problem, right? Um, anybody that has marriage troubles realizes the only way we're going to fix it is if we acknowledge there's a problem or any problem for that matter, right? So th- this is basic, but I'm just saying, you know, you can't go from, you're not going to want to transfer your trust to Christ if you don't know that you need to. So we need to because our sin separates us from God. There's some good news though. Thankfully, <laughs> that's right. You know, you want to come to church and hear some good news, okay? But, you, but let me just tell you, the way God works is sometimes you got to get the bad news. You got to get the bad news first to realize how good the good news is, okay? And that's the way the gospel works. Uh, Galatians, excuse me, Romans chapter 6, again, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. We talked about that. And then there's this wonderful word, but. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. The bad news came first. You got to come to grips with that. I need a Savior. You need a Savior because our sin separates us from God for all eternity, okay? And so the only way that's going to be fixed, the only way that our separation from God is ever 
going to be fixed, that we can be, have a relationship with Him, we have our sin forgiven, is if we transfer our trust into Christ and what He did on the cross. And so this is what it says, what it means when it says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift. Who doesn't like a free gift? Who likes a free gift? I like a free gift. Free gifts, you know, I, I, I've never won many raffles before, but I do remember at a baseball uh, a tournament one time, or no, it was a baseball clinic that was being held. We filled out a raffle ticket, and I won one of those pitchback things, you know, where it throws the ball back to you, you know. It was free. Of course, I think my dad had to pay for the raffle ticket, so that's probably not a great analogy. But free gifts are great, right? And this is so much greater because what Jesus did on the cross was to die in our place, okay? What was going on there? Well, Jesus um, was perfect in every way, the Son of God, okay? Uh, He never sinned. And, And let me just say this. This is important. The fact that Jesus was sinless. There was a major news anchor this last week who actually said Jesus was not perfect. And he got called out on it. And so he should, because first of all, he must not know what Christianity believes. To say that, to say that Jesus admittedly was not perfect. I'm like, excuse me, stop, time out. I don't care what point you're making, but that's wrong. Okay, okay. And I'm not saying that to just, you know, out some news anchor or something because I don't like him, right? Nothing, that's not the point. The point is that is false. And if you believe that about Jesus, then we got to start throwing out all kinds of other things in the Bible. The Bible declares that Jesus is sinless, okay, because that's the only way that we could have the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is if Christ was sinless and that he was was put on that cross. And guess what happened? It's what some call the great exchange, right? Um, And that is that the righteousness of Jesus, all that was right and perfect about him, in a sense, was put to our account. Like, put your name over here and Jesus over here, and it says, take the righteousness of Jesus and all his goodness and greatness and whatever, and goodness and its perfection, and put it on your account. And then, taking your sin and placing it upon him. He took on our sin on the cross. That's what he did. See? That's what has to happen is when, it, when a person transfers their trust from themselves, their ability to make themselves right with God or keep a list of do's and don'ts or whatever, because that's not how it's going to work. You know, keeping a list of do's and not doing the don'ts is not going to get you in. It's not going to make you right with God, okay? That's not going to happen because no person, that's what that Romans 3.20 talks about, it says here, Romans 3.20 says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. He says no human being is ever going to be able to be justified by keeping that list, that law, okay? But by having that law, it pointed us to the fact that we need a Savior. I can't keep the list. I fall short no matter how hard I try, man. Just just the Ten Commandments alone, okay? So so here's here's how this happens, right? When you um, wrestle with these truths and recognize that 
there's really no good in me and I'm a sinner and it separates me from God like the Romans 6.23 says. And you realize that God has provided a way though that I could be forgiven and made right with God, have eternal life and a relationship with the living God through Jesus by simply by faith and transferring my trust. Transferring my trust. I don't believe, Greg Berlisle's got nothing good in him that could ever make him right before God. But now Jesus Christ, if I put my faith in him and what he did on the cross and believing that he died for my sin and offers forgiveness, I say, I want that. That's transferring your trust. I no longer believe that there's anything I could ever do to make myself right with God. That it's only by what Jesus Christ did. Past tense on the cross, okay? And if you've done that, you are a soldier of the cross, okay? That's important. I spent a lot of time on that because nothing else really matters. <laughs> but to know that you have a relationship with the living God through the Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? And when that happens, you're enlisted. And now, right, you can go to that person that hands out the equipment and you can get all the pieces of the weaponry that God's given you, okay? All right, so that happens. Well, what's next? Let's start talking about now, now that you're a soldier of the cross, if in fact you are, then what's going to happen is we need to understand two things. What is the breastplate of righteousness and how do we put it on? What is the breastplate of righteousness and how do we put it on? Okay, it relates to what we just talked about, salvation. It relates to the righteousness of God that's been put to our account, okay? So, how do you, so, so the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness is, in one aspect, the righteousness of Christ put to us. That is, that is part of our armament. In other words, it's almost like I keep believing the gospel. I keep believing the gospel. That is protection for me and you as believers. Because if I believe constantly that, my, that, that, that it's only the righteousness of Christ that's been put to my account that makes me right with God, then guess what? When the enemy, the devil, comes knocking at your door saying things like, I can't believe you just did that. You call yourself a Christian? I can't believe you're saying those things. Believers don't say that, you know? And just these accusations about your performance, about how you're living your life, right? And so, now, what we got to realize is that, you know, again, our right standing with God, in a sense, has nothing to do with how we live our lives. They are related, but it's not dependent upon it, okay? You got to follow me. This is important. This is, goes all the way back to uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, where it says in, in verse 10, verses 8 and 9, where it's talking about, you know, for we're, not, we're saved by grace through faith. Not, not of yourselves. It's not, not works, right? But then it says in verse 10 that we are saved for good works, to do good works. So they are related. The doing of the good works and the living out it in faith and becoming more Christ-like, they're related to our being made right with God, okay? But this right here is we got to make sure that we're remembering the gospel. It's almost like, and, and I've heard this, I've heard people say this, it's like we need to preach the gospel to ourselves all the time, okay? And, and what do I mean by that? I mean like reminding yourselves of the truths of the gospel. I was, um, we sing a song by this um, Christian group called We the Kingdom. We the Kingdom is the name of the group. 
Well, they sing a song called God So Loved. And let me just read some of the words to you. Um, because this is one of the ways you're going to be able to, you're going to be putting on this piece of armor, I think, is, is by how, reminding yourself of the gospel truth of the righteousness of Christ being put to us. That is, listen to music and songs that are going to feed the gospel to you. Listen to this song. Verse 1, come all you who are weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table. He will satisfy, taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Isn't that what everyone is looking for? They're thirsting for something and the writer of the song saying, you know, Christ is it. Because it goes on to say, and the answer, their answer is the chorus, which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. And I've known that for 30 years. But when I heard that song in just a fresh way, God was really encouraged my heart with the gospel message again. We need that. We constantly need to be refreshed in the gospel. So singing songs, listen to music that's going to feed the gospel to you, right, is, is one way. Another way, uh, I'm just going to point you to a resource, but really this resource points you to the scriptures. It organizes some things for us. This little booklet's called Note to Self, Note to Self by Joe Thorne. It says, the discipline of preaching to yourself, okay? Now listen to, I'm just going to read just a little paragraph in the introduction so you get a sense for what's going on in this book. Again, it's not about the book, but it's about the truth that it points to in the scripture. He says, preaching to yourself, and this may be a new idea to you, the preaching to yourself. Preaching to yourself, it means kind of like telling yourself the truth the Bible says, preaching to yourself demands asking a lot of questions, both of God's word and especially of yourself. You will have to ask and be honest about your motives, struggles, and needs. You will need to clarify to yourself what God, God's law means in principle, but also what it requires specifically of you. You will need to ask how the gospel meets your needs and heals your brokenness. To preach to yourself is to challenge yourself push yourself, and point yourself to the truth. It is not so much uncovering new truth as much as it is reminding yourself of the truth you need not forget, that you tend to forget. Now, so in this booklet, um, he has several different areas that he goes through. First of all, he talks about the gospel and God. In other words, what can we learn from the scriptures about the gospel that tells us about God? Okay. The other one is the gospel and others. I'm sure you don't have any people problems, so you'll want to skip that chapter. <laughs> Kidding. All right. No. We need, in other words, how does the gospel truths impact my relationships? Okay? Good stuff in here. And then the gospel in you. Okay? How it relates to you. Okay? I just commend it to you. Note to self. It's, a, it's just a way, a resource that will help you preach the gospel to yourself so that you are putting on this breastplate of righteousness. Now, another one that I hope we can get back to soon in our church is taking communion. When we take communion, we're remembering the gospel, right? We remember those symbols, that bread, that, that, that juice, they remind us of something all revolving around the gospel and what Jesus did for us. And so those, those, that's another good way 
right, to, to preach the gospel to ourselves, okay? All right, that's critical. So how can you, so what is, again, what is the breastplate of righteousness? It's the righteousness of Christ that's been put to me. That's, we have received by faith, right? That's really what it is. Let me take a look here. I'm not going to look at the, uh, you can look at that Isaiah verse on your, uh, on your own there, Isaiah 59, 14 to 21. Um, you should read it. It's, it's a good verse. It really talks about this warrior, this re- redeemer warrior. He's going to redeem those who turn from their sins. Gee, that sounds familiar. <laughs> it's because the prophet Isaiah is talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He's looking forward uh, ahead in time. And so, but let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 3. I was reading this. This is kind of fun because every once in a while when I'm reading in my personal devotions, it overlaps uh, the, the book of the Bible we're going through. And this is what happened to me this week when I was looking in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Again, I want to connect with this, I, this, this truth about the righteousness of Christ being put to us, okay? Um. All right, let me, just, let me just start reading this. He says in, um, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and, listen, and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul's making a statement here. He's saying we cannot put any confidence in what we do in our bodies to, to be, our, make ourselves acceptable to God. Okay? Does God have some things to say about how we should use our bodies? Of course he does, okay? But those things alone and following will not make us right with God. There were people, false teachers, telling these Philippians that, you know what, if you kind of beat your body and, you know, kind of make it your slave kind of thing, you know, you kind of, uh, asceticism they call that, or flagellating yourself, you know, uh, I don't, and I don't know if you remember seeing, um, what was that? I don't, one of the Dan Brown books about, jeez, um, oh, um, but Tom Hanks is in the movie. Uh, all the symbology. What was it called? Yeah, the Da Vinci Code, right? Which, you know, is, is hooey, but I'm just saying the thing that got me in there was this, there was this dude who's supposed to be really religious. He beat himself, trying to make himself more holy, right? And, and actually, there were monks that used to think that that was the way to go. Martin Luther was one until he became a Christian. Realized you can't make yourself holy that way, okay? Can't make yourself acceptable to God that way. And so Paul's saying, I put no confidence in the flesh. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else uh, thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So Paul's like, okay, you want to go the route of confidence and that I've got a great... uh, um, legacy behind me here that I followed in. And I'm a, you know, he goes on and he starts listening off his resume. Listen to what he says. He says, I, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day and of the people of Israel, he was of the tribe of the Benjamin, which was the you know, great tribe. And then he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, he was a Pharisee, right? He had this status position as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, uh, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's, he, he made the claim, I kept the law right? So, but he says, but whatever, he says in verse seven, but whatever gain I had, in other words, if any of this was had any credence to men that made me look good, made me look holy, because that's all 
He says, he uses these interesting words. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss or dung. That's the word he uses, dung. He says, I counted it as poo. It was nothing, he says, so that he might gain Christ. <clears throat> In other words, he's making this point. He's saying, it's not, it's not about your pedigree. It's not a, what kind of family you grew up in. It's not about your, your uh, heritage, spiritual heritage or anything. You know, it's not any of that that's going to make us acceptable God. It's going to be, again, what we said, transferring our trust, right? He goes on to say, he says, that I may gain Christ. One of the things that impresses me about Philippians chapter 3 as I read it over it in my quiet time was this. Paul was just consumed with knowing Jesus Christ. He wanted this relationship with Jesus to grow deeper and deeper. That's what he cared about. He went on to say things like this. He says, he goes, I consider all this stuff dung in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You get that? Again, this is just a reminder of the truth that there is a righteousness that comes from God through faith. That's when you become a believer. Okay? We have that. That is our shield there. That is our, excuse me, our breastplate of righteousness. That truth. And you may say, well, I'm past that. No, you're not. None of us are. We have to hang on to that and praise God that it is can't be earned. Because if it could be earned, none of us would ever be able to earn it. How good is good enough? Holiness here, our best efforts here. I mean, it's just not going to work. And when, when you get that, you're like, you just want to dance. Because you're like, are you kidding me? This is free. Really? Right? It's awesome. So then he says, again, um, when, when someone becomes a believer and they start this relationship with Jesus Christ, you just can't get enough. He goes, he goes on and he says, he, he, he says um, I count all this stuff, you know, as, as nothing so that I could gain Jesus. And then he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Wow. He's like, I'm willing to suffer if that'll make me more like Jesus, if that'll make me, bring me closer to him. I tell you what, I'm not there. <laughs> But that's, he's just saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know him better. And we have this righteousness that comes to us from God by faith. And that is our breastplate of righteousness. Now, last thing I want to mention here, and this will be quick. And that is, you know, I mentioned there's a connection, right, between receiving the righteousness that comes by faith and living out, uh, if you will, a righteous life, okay? Some people might be kind of like becoming um, more Christ-like, right? Becoming more like Jesus, okay? Um, and, and that verse that Charlie shared there was the Philippians 1, 6, right? Is a great one there where he says, um, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's, it starts at salvation, he began a good work in you, um, will bring it to completion, 
that, that word means perfection. He says, I will bring you to completion of the day of Christ Jesus. So nobody's going to be perfect until Christ comes back and the believers will see him as he is and will be like him, it says. Okay? But nobody's going to arrive spiritually until Christ comes back. Okay? Comes back for his church. Okay? But we are to pursue righteousness. You know what I mean by that? Right? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you know, he, um, hunger for thirst and righteousness, right? Blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, and he'll be satisfied. When you become a Christian, right, you become a soldier of the cross, you want to be more like Jesus. You recognize your failings. You realize, I could always be a better husband. I could always be a better wife. I could always be a better son or daughter, the way God wants me to be. And that's something that we pursue, not to make us better before God or more acceptable to God, but because we love Him and we know it's pleasing for Him. You know, we want to please Him. And that's why we do that. It's, the only, it's, it's really the only response to the gospel. Um, when you read through the book of Romans, the first 10 chapters or 11 chapters are all about the gospel. And then when he hits chapter 12, verse 1, what does he say? Well, let me don't butcher it here, okay? <laughs> we'll let it speak for itself here. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. It's a conclusion statement. Based on all the truth of the gospel I've just told you in these 11 chapters, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what is he saying here? You know, like the, 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 really the only valid response to hearing the gospel and receiving it is saying, I'm yours. All I have, all my money, all the possessions, they're yours. My family's your family, right? I want to I live in a way, you know, I put myself in there as a husband who loves his, way, loves his wife the way Christ loved the church because that's what you told me to do. Not because, you know, it's always all feeling good, because it's not. In our humanity, we have our bad days. We have our worst days. I mean, you know, we still live in sinful bodies. But this last point I'm bringing up, guard against ignoring your sin and resting on God's grace. There is a category of people who think that because grace or because uh, it's a free gift, that, hey, man, I got the free gift. Now I'm just going to go do whatever I want. I live however I want. It got covered by the blood, you know? No, that's not how it works. And no, that's not real. That's not real faith anyway, right? Isn't that the point of the book of James? He says in the book of James, you know, if your faith ain't got works, it's dead. Period. You know? And people have a hard time with it. Martin Luther had a hard time with the book of James. <laughs> he, but what he's saying is, you know, how, how, how do I know you're a real believer? How do you know I'm a real believer? Well, my life starts looking like it. Okay? Like I said, we're going to have our bad days, going to have our good days following Jesus. But over time, my life ought to speak that I have a relationship with Christ. If it doesn't, in my mind as a human, 
put a question mark, is that real faith? Is it living faith? You hear me? This is important because there, there's a group of people that adopt this belief called it's antinomianism, which says it doesn't matter what I do. doesn't matter. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I accepted that. I prayed a little prayer, whatever, you know. But, you know, you, you can't say, if you read, unless you start to cut all kinds of stuff out of the Scripture, you can't say it doesn't matter what I do. You know, covered by the blood, you know. You know, you're not really covered by the blood unless there's some kind of an evidence there that it's real. And people have a hard time with that because you're saying, well, pastor, I thought you, said it's, thought you said it was a free gift. Sounds like you're saying it's performance-based. No, it's not. I'm, but I am saying that a life is, follows the infusion of the righteousness of Christ. We're on this trajectory of trying to, of, by God's grace and his empowerment by the Holy Spirit, becoming more like Jesus. All this stuff, if you read the first five chapters of Ephesians, and at least, at least if you go chapters four, five, and so on, are, are these instructions, how to live as a family, how to work on the job, all these things. He's giving instructions, commands. Guess what? We can't do that apart from Christ. I can't love my wife the way she needs if I am not submitting my life to Christ. I can't. I'm bringing that up just because that's part of the instructions there in Ephesians 5. And so our lives as believers ought to be on a trajectory of Christ-likeness, not this kind of attitude that says, you know, kind of taking the grace of God for granted. You hear me? This is a real thing. People really... This, we get into trouble, I think, sometimes... We, people start trip into this way of thinking, trip into this way of thinking, because sometimes the way we present the gospel is, hey, pray this little prayer, man, and you're in. Well, it's really not quite that simple, because if you don't believe what it says, and in your heart believe it, it means nothing. You pray to prayer. You walk down an aisle. Some people, you know, some people have an altar call. You walk down an aisle. Well, so what? If it didn't, if it wasn't a real in a sense, transaction between you and God, it means nothing. It was a walk down the aisle. And so we, 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 I think we, we do disservice. You know, I mentioned this earlier. You know, you got to say, well, it, it, you know, I, I told you guys this uh, a few weeks ago. I said, you know, when I, when I was, uh, back in 1982, when God was working on my heart, Chris could have told me, Mary had a little lamb. His name was Jesus. I would have accepted Christ right there. I mean, because I was ready. I was ready. And I'm just saying, we have to make sure that we are not taking on this casualness towards sin in our lives. We, if you read, if you read Romans eight thirteen, it talks about killing sin, like in our lives. Uh, metaphorically speaking, obviously, he's saying, you need to fight against sin. You need to kind of work on stuff. You know, there is this crazy, I guess it would be paradox, I think would be the right word, where we need the power of the Holy Spirit and then, but he needs us to put forth effort. In other words, I can't just sit there and say, you know what? Make me holy. Just do it. It's not going to work. I'm an active participant 
okay? I, I'm just saying there, it's, a, it's a both and. I think that's what we need to understand is there's both parts. It puts effort and I can't do it without his power. The, the Apostle Paul has ways of describing that, you know, striving according to his glorious power that works within me. He uses that wording. That's the both end, okay? I'm going over time here. I'm sorry. But let me just say, uh, please realize that the Lord wants you to pursue living out what he's called you to, do, to be, right? You read through those, those first three chapters of Ephesians, and he tells you who you are and who you ought to be and how you ought to live. We are to pursue it with his power, okay? All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word there does say in 1 John and how you want us to, that really it says, I'll just quote it as I pray, 1 John 2, 3 to 6, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Lord, help us. Lord, first of all, help us to constantly keep before us the fact that the only way that we're made right with you is by the righteousness of Jesus being put to our account. And that alone is by faith. Nothing we can do to earn that. It's receiving the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus by what he did on the cross and believing in that, transferring our trust from our own ability to make ourselves acceptable to you to realize there's nothing we can do except for to rest on the finished work of Jesus. And then, Lord, help us, God, to preach that gospel to ourselves on a regular basis, singing songs, reading books that connect us with the truths of the gospel. Um, And, Lord, also just help us to not fall into the lies that the enemy would want us to think, that it doesn't matter what we do with our lives from here on out. We put our faith in Christ, it doesn't matter how we live. That's not true. Because if we think that way, we give the enemy a foothold in our lives as we think that sin doesn't matter to God anymore if it's forgiven. That's not true. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to pursue godliness by your power, Lord. Help us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.